Welcome back to In the Booth. I'm Sean Booth, and thank you guys for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Maybe you are in Anchorage, Alaska. Maybe you're in Lafayette, Louisiana. Maybe you're tuning in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wherever you are, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support. If you're not listening right now in your car, you can head over to YouTube where we stream all of our episodes. And every episode, we're talking with somebody different, having a good time. And that's what we're doing today. Today, we're going to talk some real estate, real estate one-on-one. I've been doing real estate for years now. Maybe some of you don't know that. I've had my license. I've been doing it on the side. I flipped my first house when I was right out of college with my dad. We'll get into all of that stuff. So real estate is something I'm passionate about. And today in the studio, I've got my business partner, the BG Home Team. He is from Mississippi, and he is Caleb Gamblin, everybody. How are we doing? We're doing. Happy How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm excited to talk real estate. I think uh, I think we are in a unique place that is, you know, remained strong throughout a uh, downturn, and uh, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fun. How long have you been doing real estate for? <clears throat> oh. Uh, 30 years, I feel like. Um, my mother sold real estate here, 80s, 90s, uh, got out of it once um, I was getting ready to go to school. And um, she, uh, man, I used, I grew up going to open houses. Um, I can remember going into new construction developments out in Brentwood, Franklin area, and climbing through windows when they were at framing so we could unlock doors and go look at new homes. And, um, had a passion for it for a long time. And, uh, I guess I've been in, in the real estate game here in Nashville for, uh, coming up on four years now, kind of got started in the development side, working with builders. I've got a little bit of background in, in construction, um, some family work I did, you know, summers during high school and college and, um, and then transitioned into selling real estate full time, uh, I guess about three years ago. So you've seen all sides. You've seen new construction. You've seen investment properties. Yeah, I've uh, I've done everything from you know studio condos that were, um, or small studio condos up to large uh, uh, commercial land deals. I've done um, a lot of single family with first time home buyers or or even you know secondary market buyers that are, are purchasing their second or forever home. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a pretty big range. I mean, that's what Nashville gives you. There's there's real estate for everybody in town. Yeah, and Nashville also gives you the craziest market in the world. I feel like it has been the hottest market, it felt like, in the country. And then all of a sudden just came to a screeching halt with the interest rates going up. Where do you see Nashville and the rest of the country? Uh, one thing that I see a lot of is on social media, people talking about market trends and, and people will reach out to me and ask about certain, certain things that they've seen on other channels. And, uh, you know, those, those are all national data supported trends that they're, they're explaining or showing or, or growth that they're talking about or depreciation, whatever it may be. Um, I focus on, on Nashville specific. So I think it's important to, to know what market you're looking at and what, what you're talking about. I think Nashville is going to remain a, a strong and steady market as it has. Um, yeah, we saw 2020, 2021 when, when all the markets were going up, Nashville was at a, an exponential growth rate compared to a lot of other national cities. But um, just like everybody else, we slowed down, but we didn't come to a stop compared to, to some of the others. I, I think interest rates definitely affected everybody, the state of the economy and and just everything that was going on in the world. And, and, but we did remain consistent. We had a couple months that were, that were slow that you, you didn't see depreciation, but you saw kind of a, a stale market there for a little bit, um, leveling that really we needed, um, where buyers could come in and, and feel like they could actually purchase a home. Um, unfortunately though, I think, uh, I think you're going to kind of see us get back to those COVID style market where it is, um, high demand, a lot of pressure on buyers and low I think inventory, low inventory. Yeah. I think the reason for that is, um, as Nashville is so unique in all of its different offerings for home buyers, it's also a great investment market. Uh, we've got year round tourism. We've got a strong job market, job industry, um, tons of jobs that are still coming to the city, uh, no state income tax, all these things that lead towards people wanting to be in Nashville. Um, 
And when you couple that with the fact that um, I think I, I saw a stat that was 60% of homeowners today have an interest rate under 4%. So what that means is there's only about 40% of current homeowners that are really going to be in a position in the next <clears throat> probably year even that they can sell a home, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're not losing a great interest rate, that they're not selling and, and going used to when you, you sold a home, you were upgrading. Well, right now, if you're locked in at 4% or even sub four and, and you go buy a home, you're more making a horizontal move than you are a vertical move. Um, just because because of interest rates and where your payment's going to land at. So I think uh, I think with low inventory and then a lot of people that are just sick of sitting on the sidelines, it's been almost a year now with uh, not a lot of buyers in the market. And once once all that comes together, and I think interest rates, you could see a, a more of a dip. We've seen it over the last couple of weeks and even month and a half here. Um, they've dropped, but if if they continue on a, a downward tra uh, trajectory, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough market for buyers or it's going to be an active market for buyers. Yeah. And a lot of people on social media too and TikTok and Instagram Reels, you start seeing a lot of Gen Zers and millennials talking about how difficult it is to be a first-time home buyer where, you know, you have the older generations and they were able to spend obviously a lot less money. But now, you know, looking at the data the housing price for an individual, it's about around 20-something percent of their income, close to 30% of their income, and yeah. some even upwards towards 40, which makes it super difficult for the first-time home buyer, whereas opposed to back in the day, it used to be around like 10, 12, 14% of your total income yeah. would go towards your mortgage. What tips do you have right now, if any, for the first-time home buyers? Uh, for a first time home buyer, <clears throat> I think, uh, of course my, my first tip is going to be get you a good real estate agent. Um, get somebody that understands working with first time home buyers and also understands the state of the market. <clears throat> if, um, you know, if interest rates come down, if interest rates don't go down, pricing goes up, pricing stays the same, regardless of what it is, find somebody that can really put a game plan together that is specific for you and can kind of pivot based on the market um, where the current state of the market is. I think uh, another thing is, is as I said earlier, be careful of the information you're paying attention to. Um, don't predetermine where you think you are as a buyer. Um, talk to a, a lender, you know, get your financials in order. If, if you're ready to go today, you know, reach out, see where you're at. If you're thinking, oh man, I'd really like to buy a home this year, go ahead and talk to them. That, that's free service that you can get. Um, you know, it may be, I need to save a little bit more. I need to I need to knock off some debt, pay down a loan, whatever it may be to really get you in a position um, that, that you can jump at a home if you want to. Or, you know, you may get approved and it, it's not really the price range you want to be at or it doesn't get you the the home that you want right now. And so that way you kind of have a, a mile marker of where you need to get to be able to afford that home you want. Um, uh, another one is, is don't get discouraged. I think a lot of buyers get discouraged about one, what they get approved for um, thinking like it can be very overwhelming. Everybody talks about how expensive Nashville real estate is. Um, and it is, I mean, Nashville is a hot market. Um, pricing has, has done nothing but go up and, and a lot of areas in town are, are very expensive, but there are really cool properties and, and parts that are, that are developing and growing as, as it, we keep moving forward that you can get in. And next thing you know, you'll look up in two years and you're in the next Wedgwood Houston, or you're mm -hmm. in the, the next, you know, 12 South, you know, I, I think, um, and then also determine what your goal is, is my goal to, Quit wasting money in rent is my goal to build equity where I have a long-term investment that I know I can cash in on later, or is it to build a really good quality of life by having a home, having a yard, whatever those important factors may be to you. And, um, I, but I think my best tip is to, if, if you're considering it at all, look into it, you know, mm -hmm. don't, don't just talk about it. Actually talk to somebody that knows what's going on and, um, and take a chance. I mean, first time homebuyers, 
a lot of them have this idea in their head that it takes 20% down to buy a home and that, you know, you've got to go through all these, these hurdles to get there. It's very easy to, to, to get approved for a home, especially if you go with a, a FHA loan, that's a first time buyer loan. Um, they have products out there for, for high debt, uh, individuals or low credit score. Um, obviously, yeah, if you've got 20% down and a great credit score, you're going to get a better rate. But, um, you know, I mean, there's products for everybody mm-hmm. that, that, that they can use to purchase a home. And, and then also look at, you know, do you want to be creative and go find something that's cheaper priced and maybe could, could use a little touch up some lipstick and, and really make an investment out of it. All good information there. It's been fascinating watching the market here in Nashville. And last year, you know, if a house went up on the market, you would get 10 offers on it the very first day. It'd be all cash offers. It'd all be over asking price. And the inventory was so low and with the rates low that it was such a seller's market. And then when everything shifted, now it's, uh, it's it's the good thing is, is that the pricing of the houses are coming down, mm-hmm. but it's if you can stomach that interest rate for a little bit <clears throat> and refinance. Yeah, I mean that's what I, I tell everybody. If if you can buy a home today, you feel comfortable with where your payment's going to be. You're in a great position. Mm-hmm. Um, pricing has has really stabilized in a lot of markets here, um, or a lot of neighborhoods here in in this market. Um, and, you know, rates are historically, you know, 7% is like the the national average, I, I think, going back 30 years. So we're under a national average right now. Um, they're lower than they were at 8%, but yeah, they're higher than they are at, at 4 which I think it's going to be a long time until we see a 4% interest rate. So if you can get in right now at 6.5%, 6 and 3 quarters, or even closer to 6, high fives, um, wherever, and you feel comfortable with that payment, do it. You're getting the house at a great price, and then if interest rates come down, you can refinance. But at worst, if interest rates go up, you've already got a better deal than the next person that's buying. Yeah, and I know you can't predict the future, but do you think that the interest rates will ever get back to as low as they got to? Uh, I hope not. I think that <laughs> that's going to mean something catastrophic has happened, or yeah. you know, another pandemic. I think. Uh, yeah, everybody loved low interest rates, but there was a lot of shit we had to go through to get yeah. those. So, um, I think you'll see uh, definitely you'll see threes again. Um, but and, and I mean, you know, this isn't my area of expertise, but I, I think a stable market's going to be somewhere around five to five, five and a half. Yeah. It's kind of where I I feel like. Yeah, is there a certain time during the year that's better to buy a home? Um, yeah, so the market is the hottest in, in spring, early summer. Um, but if you're, you're talking about the best time to buy a home, I'd buy in the, the dead winter. of winter. I'd buy on <laughs> Christmas day. Yeah. Nobody else is out looking. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the, the caveat to it is there's a lot of, uh, a lot of inventory out there in the spring and, and summer, which naturally leads to buyers out looking. And that's when you see a lot of transactions done. Um, but if you're looking for the best deal, I, I'd look right before spring um, or going into like uh, July, August, September when people are getting back into school and people don't want to think about moving as much. And, and so there are, there's less buyers in, in the market at that time. Right. Let's talk a little bit about investment properties. Yeah. We do a lot of investment properties here in Nashville. Obviously, a very touristy city, ton of Airbnbs. Do we still feel like that's a great investment? Obviously, depending on the price that you get it, but is it getting to a point where it's starting to become oversaturated, where everybody wants their hands on an Airbnb? Um, yeah, short answer is yes. I think the Airbnb market here has gotten a little oversaturated as far as total number of investment properties out there. But what I also think... Um, you know, when we go through and, and we're listing some of these Airbnbs, or we're looking at them for clients or um, even just, you know, people that'll come stay in town talking with them. There is a, 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 a large discrepancy between the number of Airbnbs that are out there in Nashville and the quality of Airbnbs that are out there. I think um, <clears throat> I think with the saturated market, um, it creates a good opportunity for people to go in and maybe get a deal on a, on a short-term rental 
but go in and do some value add to it and really create a unique listing um, that people want to come stay at. I mean, we are not losing the tourism industry. They are still piling in here every day of the week right. now. Like I think they're they're even here on Wednesdays now. You used yeah. to get a little break, no. you know, middle of the week, but they're coming. I mean, yeah. To to that point, at my gym, there is now a pedal tavern or a bike bar that shares the same building. And as I was coming over here, there was a ton of people out there hopping on the bikes. It's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and the morning at night, we're all just working our day to day jobs, and that bike tavern is still just picking up people and driving around the city drinking. So it's a uh, it's hot city. Yeah, it's a great industry, and and. You know, having the ability to to get into the short term rental to tap into that tourism industry is great. Um, and and then also, you know, we have a huge healthcare industry here, and then corporate uh, job market here that that provides corporate rentals, um, travel nurses. I mean, there's a lot of different avenues that if you don't want to just do Airbnbs to bachelorette groups that are coming to town. You know, there's there's other resources that you can tap into to make it a positive investment property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What about new construction? That process for a first time home buyer or any home buyer. They want to get a new house. <clears throat> and what do they have to go through for those steps? Um, <clears throat> so it, it really depends. If it's something uh, along the lines of a pre-sale, like if you're wanting to um You know, uh, so that's where I started was working with a developer doing new construction. If you're wanting to go in and get one of the properties that that they're building to put on the market for resale, spec home, um, it typically requires a little bit more of a down payment uh, or or not a down payment, uh, a little bit more escrow money, which is money that that you're saying in good faith, I'm going to execute that contract. Um, You know, on a typical purchase and sale, we'll do 1% or so. Um, but on new construction, if it's, if it's a long ways out, like if you're six months to completion, the builder is going to want a little bit more down. So they're not tying that house up with somebody that's not serious about moving forward with it. Um, from a lending standpoint though, it works the exact same than any other house would. You're going to, you're going to get it appraised once it's completed. Um, as long as it meets your appraised value or the, the total loan amount, um, then, then you proceed with the process the same way. You get a couple added bonuses with going with new construction. You get um, what's called a blue tape walkthrough where you get to go through and call out any you know paint spillage or any little scuff marks in a wall, um, make sure it just looks real nice and it's all cleaned up. You also get a builder's warranty that covers um, craftsmanship, structural uh, appliances. They, they kind of differ in the length of that warranty, but that's something that for the first year, you know, your home's going to go through some settlement and you'll be able to get get the builder to to come back out and make some corrections for, you know, minor, minor crackage that you may see in a uh, in, in drywall or splitting of your trim at joints. I mean, different things like that. Um, you know, the, the building of a new construction gets to be a little bit more challenging from a, a loan standpoint, um, especially for first time home buyers, because. Um, to get that that loan to build a home, they want um, you know a, typically twenty to twenty five percent down. Like if you go to a bank, um, and it, it's for some first time home buyers, it's hard to right. to have twenty or twenty five percent to put down. And and then if you do, um, it, it makes more sense to go conventional and and pursue that avenue. Right, and then you get a little more customization options sometimes depending on the builder yeah a lot of times you know if you get in early they'll let you pick um a developer i work with he always said as long as they don't move a wall i don't care what they do right and um so you know you can go through and and pick your paint colors sometimes you get to pick flooring um if you get in real early you can do cabinets countertops um lighting's are usually a big thing that that builders they don't care if you want to change out because that's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, and as long as it's not anything that's delaying the timeline of the job, uh, that might be back ordered or that adds cost to it. Um, you know, as long as it stays in budget, they're, they're usually pretty open. Some of them to, uh, right. to letting you go make those, those selections. What do you say to those who are like, man, new construction, I would never, the materials cheaper. It's not as good as it was back in the day. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> and I, I get that question every time. Yeah. I feel like yeah, we always. <laughs> um, and truthfully, I don't ever know how to answer it. Um, there is a lot of shit construction. It depends that, on that the builder you go with. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why it's important to, to work with somebody that knows the players in the market, um, that knows who a good builder in town is. And when I say a good builder, you also want to look at, um, how long they've been doing it. You know, if you've got somebody that just popped up six months ago or has only been in it a year, they may not have that database of subs built up, or they may not have, um, with somebody that's been doing it for five, 10, 15 years, they've got a reputation. They've been around. If something goes wrong with that house, they're going to come back and, and take care of it. Where if it's a, a one-off builder, it may cost them more to come back and fix it. So they're just going to, you know, right. they're in the wind at that point. Um, I think the quality of, of, of some of the builders back in the day was better. Um, I do think you're seeing a difference in materials just because materials have gotten so expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything else. And so um, they're not, they're not building them cheap. They're just not doing stone facades that they used to do on everything, you know? And yeah. I mean, it, but that's also a totally different buyer. I'm like, if you're worried about the craftsmanship of it, you don't really want a new construction anyways. You want to yeah. be in an older home. Like you like yeah. that. There's I, the uniqueness. Of yeah. The, the coziness or the white box feeling. Some people love it. Clean, yeah. nice edges. And it's, it's easy to maintain. Some people want to, an older home that's got some character to it. Yeah, because you do see a lot of the new builds that are very cookery, cookie cutter. Uh, yeah. It's the same same setup, different colors, mm -hmm. different cabinets. But yeah, fortunately for us, we work with some good builders here in Nashville and Peros Group being one of them where they're very unique with their oh, builds. Yeah. They um they they put a put a pretty cool product out there. I yeah. mean it's uh going and looking at new construction is one of my favorite things to do and and um I felt like I had seen just about anything you could do, uh, and until I started working with them more right. and, and, uh, they do a great job of creating a unique floor plan too, that I think, you know, a lot of these, um, these neighborhoods that we work in, most of the lots are the same size, you know, they're your standard lot size in that, that area. And so the, floor plan of a home ends up being the same across a, t a bunch of different new construction. Yeah. Different developers will use different finishes or use uh, the front ele elevations. The massing will be different, you know, but at the end of the day, it's kind of the same. Your floor plan is always, you just right. kind of stuck with it, but I feel like they do a, a pretty cool job of changing it up. It, really creating the character that an older home has. Um, in new construction. Yeah. You know? And when you say that you've seen like almost every style of house, that's something that you need to do as a realtor. Would you recommend is you're always checking the market every day. You're always getting notifications of the new houses that come in the market. Yeah. So, you know, I got a bunch of questions here on IG and, and one of them was uh, a newbie realtor. Mm -hmm. Don't have much experience. What advice do you have? And from working with you, I noticed that you were just constantly checking out what's on the market, what neighborhood, yeah, like every day. Um, yeah, I think being involved is one the only way to provide value, but two the only way to learn. Um, knowing what's on the market is is the best tool you're going to have. Whether that's if a client comes to you that wants to buy, or whether that's if a seller comes to you and wants to sell, you need to know what's out there, what's what's sold recently, what's gone under contract, what's coming soon. I think um, building a network of, of real estate agents that you can talk to on a regular basis that are doing transactions um, is great because, you know, it, it, I mean, we've got a handful of them at the gym um, that are, are really good agents. And yeah. anytime I'm in there, it's like, hey, man, I got this coming or, hey, I just did this. And that's all good knowledge to have because – you know, those are those are things that you can't pull up on, on the Internet sometimes and things that just your average day agent that's just sitting there watching real tracks or Zillow for the people at home. They don't know about. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes look at other agents as like competition or like screw that person. I'm like, I think it's the opposite. We're, oh, they're, we're your all best friends. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they're your eyes as well. And 
you're their eyes and you've got stuff that could fit some of their clients and vice versa. So it's always good to expand your network and talk with other realtors. Yeah, I am a, a very competitive person, but for some reason, when it comes to real estate, I don't I don't view many agents as, as competition or, or look at it like that. I'd rather befriend them and have that network and that that relationship with them so that it makes working a deal so much easier. And at the end of the day, it provides value to your client, whoever it is. And as long as you build a great relationship with the client, you shouldn't have to worry about, you know, losing a deal to another agent. Um, and then there's also, I mean, there's times that, oh, you know, this, that, that we're not a good fit for some clients. And yeah. it's great to have an agent that you can refer them to that you know is going to do a good job. And typically you can get a little bit of a kickback off of that, a referral fee. and um, no, I think you're only as good as, as your network of agents that you surround yourself with. Yeah. And I think one of the most exciting things about real estate, or for some, it could be the most annoying, depending on how you look at it, is that every day is different. Every deal is different. We have never seen the deal that is the exact same. There's always new issues that pop up. So I feel like a large part of the realtor business is problem solving. And if you can problem solve, then you'll do well. Because again, if you're somebody who just thinks you go from point A to point B straight and narrow, that ain't the case. It's always going left, right, up, down. And you got to find solutions to get it across the finish line. And you know something we've learned and there's been deals that we've lost like other realtors yeah. where it's like so close and you work on it for months and months and it's like, boom, something happens, which is super frustrating, but that's the business. Yeah. Um, it is. It's uh, managing people is what the job is. Problem solving, um, which I love to do, mm -hmm. but I, I overdo it sometimes. You know, I think that's one of the hardest parts for me as an agent is um, I love a difficult challenge. You know, throw the hard ones at me and let me figure out a way to do it. But uh, sometimes I will. I mean, I don't ever think something's done or there's something that's not a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will just keep fighting and pushing until I get there. And, and sometimes I, I have to take a step back, you know, and think about, all right, what's best for my client? Is that really what uh, they may be overextending if that happens, you know, really put them in your shoes and, or put yourself in their shoes and see um, what the best fit is for them. And, and that's the fun part is seeing, you know, working those deals and, and, Love it when a client's like, hey, go get it. Yeah. Fully in on this. Yeah. But uh do what you gotta do. Yeah. But it, it's also, you know, just as rewarding when when they're like nervous about it and when they're, you know, they want to take a step back and they want it to, you know, be a smoother process. And and that's obviously what we're trying to deliver. But uh real estate, you you can never predict how it's gonna go or what's gonna happen. And and that's the market that's a day-to-day -day transaction that's a showing that's it, yeah. it's anything yeah. um but it, it makes it fun i mean i i've done i've worked for my family i've worked corporate um and i i've honestly i can say since i've done this i've never woken up one day and been like oh shit i gotta do this today like yeah. i love it because i really don't know what i'm gonna be doing at the end of the day yeah and uh it keeps me on my toes and and it's exciting yeah absolutely definitely keeps you on your toes um, VA loans. We had a question about that. Buying with a VA loan, the pros versus the cons. Um, the pros are, are obviously you're going to get, um, good terms on your loan. Pretty good interest rate. Cheaper down payment. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can do a hundred percent financing yeah. on some VA loans. Um, the cons are, um, the requirements that the house has to meet. It has to meet certain standards, which, most homes do, um, right. you know, the, the, the ones that wouldn't would be, uh, an older home that has had, a that, that needs to be fixed up or, or, um, something along those lines. Like it's usually structural issues and things that you don't want to get into anyways. Um, the other, the other con to it is, um, and, and this is somewhat of a con to FHA buyers, also first time home buyers, um, is the way a, a seller perceives that offer. Um, if you've got a VA loan in today's market right now, you're probably going to be fine because there's not a, a ton of uh, 
pressure from other buyers out there. But if you go back to the to the likes of the markets when you had multiple offers, a lot of cash being thrown around, um, those VA and FHA loans, because they do have to meet certain standards and because um, there is a separate underwriting process, it, it's a little harder to get get that offer accepted over one that is a conventional loan or cash. Um, so if you if you've got the VA or FHA option, you want to be looking now, really, right. yeah, when there's not a ton of buyers in the market, right? Explain how the commission works because I feel like a lot of people get confused about that. They get confused who's paying commission, yeah, buyers, sellers, how much, which agents, yeah, uh, and I think that's why uh, uh, some buyers get scared to start looking or scared to talk to agents because they're like, what do I have to pay them? Um, so the, the typical structure for the commission is uh, negotiated between the listing agent and the seller. And it is, um, you know, here we're, we're doing 6%. And then that listing agent agrees to compensate uh, another agent that brings a buyer um, X amount, which is usually 3%. It's usually split right down the middle, three and three on both sides. Um, for the buyer, if your real estate agent is paid by the seller. Right. So Yeah. So if you are selling a house... You hire an agent, you're telling them, we'll give you 6% commission. And then that agent is then saying, hey, here's 3% to any other agent that can come and bring me this buyer. So yeah. it's a win-win for both of us. Yeah, and the buyers don't pay it. Um, it comes out of the seller's, you know, total closing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talking about the interest rates, of course, you know, we have one person here who says we have a 3.25 uh, interest rate, which is obviously phenomenal. And it's a loan from 2016, but we're ready to move, but we feel like we're stuck and we can't, which I feel like so many people yeah. are thinking the same thing. It's like, well, I want to get a new house, but this payment is so nice. So, you know, I would say if it's from 2016, right? Mm -hmm. They've got some equity. Yeah, they've built up a lot of equity. Um, it would really depend on what they're wanting to move. Why yeah. Why are they wanting to move? Is it a different area? Do they need more space? Um, is it going to increase the quality of living? Um, if so, I, I'd say go for it. Um, and then also, what is the price point? Like, you know, back home in, in Mississippi, I can tell you, if you bought a house in 2016 at $100,000, it's probably worth 150 to 160 right now. Like it's it's grown, but it's not a huge monthly burden that that appreciation. Here, if you bought a house in 2016, one you didn't buy it for a hundred. Let's say you <laughs> bought it for four hundred. It's probably worth yeah. you know seven now. Yeah. Um, that's a big jump, but that's yeah. also a ton of equity in your in your home. So, you know, where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? But then also, um, and I I do this with every client. I'm a big fan of credits, you know, go find a house you yeah. like and, uh, interest rate may be six and a half percent. Go get you a temporary buy down, get yeah. you a seller paid credit, um, get a temporary buy down and buy that rate down to four and a half percent for the next year and, and ride it out. And when you see interest rates come back down, you refi, uh, that way you don't feel like you're taking on that much larger of a payment. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say, for that specific person, is what is going to be more important to your quality exactly. of life? Yeah, you, know? you want to get out of there. It's yeah. like, are you just going to stay in that house and wait around? Who knows how long? Yeah, because it's probably going to be a while to get back to that interest rate. Oh yeah, I would not. I would not wait on a three point two five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's your goal, yeah. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's similar to what I got my house for, and I was so lucky. When I got my house, and it was 2019, the fall of 2019, um, so right before COVID, mm -hmm. and I was actually searching this neighborhood for another house. It was on the market, and I kept on calling the agent. Nobody was picking up. Nobody would let me in the house. I really wanted to see this house, and I was driving back home, and I was like, oh, I want to see what's up on this street. I took a left. And I found a house that had a for sale sign that was under contract, actually. And so I loved it. I called the agent on that and they said this was like a Sunday. And they were like, well, actually, this house was under contract, but the person who bought it had a clause that they had to sell their current house yeah. within two weeks. And today's day 14. 
So it's back on the market tomorrow morning. So I put in an offer the first. So you were able to get it before it. Yeah, like the very first thing in the morning, and I end up getting it that day. Yeah, which sucks for the other people, but I'm also (laughs) like, what are the chances of that? Like that, that's super lucky. Yeah. Um. You know, it's kind of crazy to see. Uh, I've noticed this a lot. So when I got in, the market was skyrocketing. It was great. It was awesome. Um. But now, over the last, I guess, like year and a half, you see a lot more homes go under contract that come back to the market uh, right. than you were, you know, when when demand was built up and, and people were throwing around crazy cash offers. They were uh, obviously this is a big reason, but you had people waving inspections and, and everything. I mean, yeah. they just they were doing whatever they could to to get a home and, and you know, 2020 and early 21 and. It was sometimes sad, you know, it was really tough. Like it was like a battle internally with myself sometimes to be like, man, they, they really want this, you know, all right, I'm going to write it up the way they say and what it takes to get. But it's like, you want to protect your clients yeah. and, um, you know, knock on wood, nothing bad has ever happened or nobody right. ever made a deal that they weren't happy that they got. But, um, there were a lot of people exposing themselves right. when the market was that way. Yeah. Yeah, just desperate times. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I think, think we're headed back towards something similar, but it'll be a milder variation of that. So then, you would recommend with houses that are under contract to still look at those. I would. Yeah, I'd keep them. um, You know, I think a, a good agent would, if a client sends you one that's under contract, a good agent's going to reach out to that other agent and say, "Hey." what's the status of, of, of your home? You know, I see it's under contract when you set to close, uh, made it through your inspections, made it through all your contingencies. Let me know if anything happens, may have somebody that's interested. Um, just doing those little things. So that way, like, like for you, if it does fall out, the other agent, the agent on the other side that has that house that's under contract should theoretically reach out if something does happen. And that way, you know about it before it hits the market again, and you're providing value to your client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. People say, how many houses should I look at? I mean, look at my situation. I looked at one and I got it. Yeah. It depends. You'll know. I've got, we had a client that didn't even look at the house. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, yeah. Um, no, I mean, look as, at as many as you want until you find the one that feels right. Um, I've had them that you get it on the first try and I've got some right now that we're probably on number 50 something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a process. Um, I mean, you know, I would say if you're looking to just uh, get out of renting and really uh, make an investment, maybe don't don't overthink it as much as you are if you're looking for something that you're really trying to build a life, a forever home, something that you're going to see yourself in for the next 10 or 15 years. Like, make sure it's the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for most people, it's the biggest purchase of their lives. Yeah. So... And with the rent prices here in Nashville, it's like, yeah, geez. you know, rents high. I think it's like the average uh, for a one bedroom is like just under nineteen hundred yeah, right it's now, like right around two grand. Um, which you know, people keep talking about. Uh, oh, this complex is offering two months free rent, or this one's doing that, and this one's doing that. Hell, they've been doing that for eight years now you know yeah. now i will say there are a lot of units as far as rental units um out there right now but this is uh this is my theory my take on it um the reason being is because you had you could borrow money so cheap for for a long period of time um where builders were going out and developers were going out and doing these projects well now you're seeing all that money that was borrowed in 2020 those projects are finishing. Those units are hitting the market right now. So yeah, the market's flooded at this current moment with rental rental units, but we've got a steady flow of people moving here. And then you also had builders and developers that quit borrowing money over the last year and a half. So what's going to happen in the next two years? Inventory is going to be low on rentals again. So I think, uh, and it's all, it yeah. you know, it goes up and down, but I wouldn't be like, oh man, I'm about to start renting a, a two bedroom in the Gulch for eighteen hundred. Yeah. We're not getting there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, those days are long gone. Yeah, 
What would you give? What advice would you give those looking for their first investment property? What to look for? Where to look? It's obviously ranges and it's very different. I feel like a lot of investment deals are kind of word of mouth or off the market, right? Where people like us have that information through yeah. our connections and it's something where, you know, you don't just readily see on a website. Yeah. If, uh, if you get a investment property through an email, you're probably, probably not. Yeah, you're not yeah. getting the best deal yeah. on yeah. it. Um, now, granted, there there's some out there. I mean, uh, I would say it, one. It depends on how much uh, how much you've got to invest. You mm-hmm. know what what your goal is. If you're trying to make a living off of it, um, I would look at things where you can keep a lot of capital so you can diversify it into multiple properties and, and generate uh, cash flow. Um, but then that's the other thing is what are you trying to get from that investment? Do you want a monthly paycheck that's passive income? Um, or are you looking to park some money in a safe investment that uh, is going to grow in equity that you could borrow against later down the road or you could cash in on later down the road? Um, really first determine what your goal is as yeah. an investor. And then uh, and then once you've done that, determine how hands-on you want to be, how hands-off, you know, Short-term rentals are great because there's a ton of property management companies here that uh, you buy the property, you give them the keys to it, and and they do everything for you from photos, listing, yeah. cleaning, supply, um, all of it, and you pay them, you know, a percentage each each month. But you know, you're just collecting a check, um, or you can uh, you, you can buy one that that you are the property manager. You can go long-term and um, rentals where you're you know, putting people in there for six months plus and you're managing that, um, whether it may be a value add, like a fix and flip, um, there's a lot of opportunities, but also I would say, uh, and I'm bad at this. I look at investment properties here every day. I I mean, my brain is constantly spinning of new ideas for investment deals. Um, but don't be scared to look at investments outside of your own market. Um, right. There's a lot of great return out there in in other cities, you know, and, um, and there's a lot of, I mean, you can get connected with the right people, property management companies, find a good one. Um, and, and don't be scared to pay a little bit for that because it, it'll pay off in the end. Uh, if, if you've got somebody that's managing your property well and marketing it well and taking care of it. Um, but it can be fun to do that. You know, mm-hmm. look at, look at other areas and see what returns people are generating. And, you know, there's a million people sitting out there going, damn, I wish I'd have bought into national real estate back yeah. in 2010 even yeah i'm one of those people i've been here for 10 years and i'm like some of the houses i looked at when i first moved here down in areas that have just exploded like 12 south and east nashville man that's one of those things like if i could only go back in time yeah i know my uh i wish my folks would have held on to some of the houses they had yeah um returns would have been crazy yeah um the first house that i bought uh, Winslow, Connecticut was a farmhouse, 1888 farmhouse. I bought for $100,000 on a little farm, about an acre, the nice stream next to it, a barn. And me and my dad worked on that project together. So we just did everything inside, the outside, um, the roof. We did new porches. We did kitchen, bathrooms, um, HVAC, everything. But it was... Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I was just out of college, but my dad would come over on the weekends, and I had some roommates, too. He'd be like, let's go, and I'd be in bed hungover, like <laughs> still young partying age, you know? But, man, I cherish those times, and it was uh, a deal that I found through, like, a family member, kind of word-of-mouth type deal. Yeah. And it was so much fun, though. And you lived in the house? And I lived in the house, yeah. so that's why I was – yeah you know, made sense. I lived there, had a couple of buddies on my roommates. My sister lived with me at one point too, and, um, would work on it throughout the week. Yeah. But that's obviously ideal. But for most people who are flipping properties, they're trying to flip that thing as fast and as quick as possible. You only got a couple months to do it. Yeah. They want to get in and out. And, you know, I think it depends. Like if you can go in and do it yourself, that's great. You're going to save a lot of money. Um, but it takes longer, you know? Yeah. So I think, uh, like from an investor standpoint, it'd be look at it and see, are you trying to just make as much profit or are you trying to get your money, your return back quicker? Yeah. I mean, it may be aligning with, with a contractor that could go in and do that. Um, but they're fun. A fix yeah. and flip is fun. Yeah. 
I want to find some here. Yeah, I know. I've I've been looking, and there's a lot of opportunity out there for them. Um, but you know, it takes time, and that's where I'm at. It's like, what do I want to do? Do I want to be hands on, or do I just, you know, yeah. front the bills? Um, but I love. You're a big interior design guy. Yeah, is that where I you're mean, going? That's. I was just <laughs> about to say, like the design and and the shaping of a home and and repurposing it. I uh. Most of my work is is new construction, which I love. Um, but there's nothing that is sexier to me than an older home that's got a. a you walk in and it's got a great modern contemporary vibe on the inside. And yeah, kind of pulling that best of both worlds, and um, you get so much character with yeah. some of the older homes. And uh, I think I, I get this from my mother and and a lot from my brother too. But they're they can see a, a finished product before it's ever there. And, um, and I can do that too. I, I can, I can look at a space or a house or, or even a room, anything, and I can kind of already envision and visualize what mm -hmm. that's going to be. And, um, that's what gets me excited. Yeah. You got a good eye for that. Yeah. You know, what type of homes are my favorite? Mm hmm. Mid-centuries. Yeah. 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 Love a mid-century modern. Mid-century modern. Love yeah. it. I don't know. It's, uh, it's They're sweet. They're sweet. I mean, they are. Yeah. They are. Unique. You think you love them because the furniture's back in style? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's uh, It's got a cool vibe to it. Yeah. But not, I like modern, but not too modern. And I like the uniqueness. It is pretty popular. Yeah. But, I mean, even the farmhouse that I had, it had original Ten ceilings from 1888. Like, what are the chances you'd find those anywhere right now? Yeah, you're not. You're not. Yeah. What um, the mid centuries. You know, we've looked at a couple that yeah. are uh new construction. Yeah, mid centuries. Yeah. Do you like those as much as you do the older mid centuries that have been done? Do you think they're hitting? Um, I do like those because it's got that modern new feel to it. Yeah um there's one we looked at in east nashville i was like man i was going back and forth on it but it was almost it was yeah but i was also like is it just because the furniture in here yeah. like because that one i'd want to buy all the staging there yeah so i guess it depends how it's staged too yeah and how big of a a deal is that when you're showing a new house oh i think it's everything yeah as opposed to just walking into an empty space you're giving the clients an actual visual yeah they can they can you know see how the best optimal use is for a space. See what a bed's going to look like in there. And, um, you know, a lot of times rooms feel bigger with staging in it, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Um, that's one of my probably most nerve wracking moments is the, uh, the moment a client sees a house that's not that, that they've bought that doesn't have the staging in it anymore. And it's yeah. like, Oh, I hope they still like it. I hope it, you yeah. know, it looks the same to them, but staging's very important for sellers. I mean, if you're not staging a home, you're not doing yourselves any favor. Yeah. I mean, it costs a couple thousand bucks and it's worth every penny of it. I mean, even photographs, I mean, and doing content, you know, like how many times have we walked in a house and didn't have staging or it had photos that had staging in it and it didn't have it in there? Like, we don't want to do the content on that. You want yeah. it to look like a home Yeah. Um, when you're showing it. And so um, that's a big part. Yeah. And that's fun too. Yeah. Kind of give it its own little feel. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it's a it's exciting market here in Nashville. Is there anything you don't like about the real estate business or don't enjoy necessarily every day? Maybe uh, besides writing contracts. Yeah, um, <laughs> the paperwork. The paperwork can get to be a lot. Um, you know, things I don't like would be uh, the organization that it <laughs> that it requires. Yeah. To be effective in this, yeah. this uh, business, um, that's not my strong suit. Right. Um, I like to be on the go, working deals, talking to people, looking at houses. Uh, I lack in email sometimes and, and correspondence. Um, but as far as don't like any aspect of it, right. no, because it's different every day. I don't. Yeah. I don't do the same thing long enough to not like it. You know, right. I'm not going to get burnt out. Um, are there things I wish I could do differently in the market? Yeah, maybe so. And like, yeah. there's things I, I need to do differently. And like, we've talked about it, you know, I think we're in a good position right now where 
we've built up a, a good, strong base and foundation of, of good clients that, that we can work with from a development standpoint. And we've got a great reach to where we can bring in new clients. And, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to find another piece of this, this puzzle that could really help us. I want to create, I think where I struggle is, uh, I get so caught up in the, the deal that I forget about creating the experience for my clients. Yeah. And, um, just trying to be able to like hone in on that and yeah. really creating something that is not just getting them what they want, but making sure that they have a hell of a time while they're doing it. Right. Absolutely. And we've had our team now for almost two years yeah. and something you want to grow eventually yeah. as well. Get more team members on there. Yeah. We've talked about it. I mean, I think, um, the right fit, you know, I'd love to throw some money in there now and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, I obviously you with the gym and, and y'all's mentality there. And then this partnership, me, myself, like I love a team. Yeah. I love to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and, um, work with, with another person and then do that. I think it's, it's fun for us. It's yeah. good. And it, it keeps us engaged as well. You know, when somebody else is leaning on you for some support or, or anything, I mean, it keeps you a part of it when you may not have a ton of business going on. Right. Um, Yeah. Pros and cons, teams, and there's some people who just want to work on their own and yeah. fend for themselves. But being a, on a team is always fun. You can always count on one another. Yeah. Final four, last segment here, and then we'll end things. Top four places to live, to move to in Nashville, Tennessee, if you're out of state. So we're talking like neighborhoods. Yeah, let's go neighborhoods of Nashville, Tennessee. Rank them from four. To one. Do I get a price range? Like, what's my budget? Nope. No price range. <laughs> um, If you came in with a million dollars. If I had a million dollars to spend. Yeah. Okay. Just me, no family, no nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. Number um, four. Number four million bucks would probably be... Oh. I would say... Oh, I got it. Okay. Million bucks. Number four would be the nations. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You can get in there new for nine to nine fifty ish, eight fifty on some of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that area. Yeah. I had that, uh, on my list as well. The nations it's about less than a 10 minute drive from downtown. It's this cute neighborhoods, uh, younger population, yeah, great active. demographic there. Yeah, you see everybody walking their dogs uh, out on the streets. There's some new restaurants there, breweries, and and you're close to Westmead if you need, or yeah. West Nashville if you need to get out there. You can jump into Sylvan Park. Yeah, um, you got. I mean, yeah, the Nations is a great spot, right? And uh, it's got some good options. Number Curious three. to see if our number one is going to be the same. Number three would be uh, just next door would be Charlotte Park, which is a little bit further west, I guess you'd say, down Charlotte. Um, but you get a little bit more neighborhood yard feel to me, a little bit bigger of a home. Some of them aren't. Um, you know, the Nations has got a lot of uh, of your HPRs, your some call them tall and skinnies, which I don't really love, but yeah. what they are. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Park, you can get a little bit more of a traditional style home there. Gotcha. Number three, I'm going with Wedgwood, Houston. Wedgwood, hey. Houston is just south of downtown. It's actually where we're putting the new BC gym, so I might be a little biased there. But it is a, another neighborhood that's that's growing, younger demographic again, a lot of restaurants, and uh, things to do, short drive to everything. Yeah. Number two. <sighs> Number two, million dollars is going to be tough, but You're I'm going to say Green Hills. I'm going to say Sylvan Park. Okay. I yeah. love Sylvan Park. Um, you've got McCabe Golf Course, the walking trail right there. Um, my favorite restaurant, Cafe Nona, small Italian joints in, uh, in there. Neighbors Bar and Grill. It's just, uh, and I've done a lot of business there. That was where I sold my first ever house. Um, it holds a special place to me. But a million dollars, I don't, it'd be stretching it. It would be stretching it. Yeah. Um, 
My number two, I want to say, I was going to go outside of Nashville and say Franklin, but that's not a neighborhood in Nashville. That's like 30, 40 minutes from Nashville. Yeah. There's just beautiful properties out there, like some really nice piece of Old land. Old historic homes. I mean, it's great. A lot of estates. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I wonder if you're going to say 12 South, you're number one. No. I'll go number two. I'll go West Mead. Westmead, Nashville, a great neighborhood. Again, I'm somebody, even though I mentioned the other two neighborhoods being close to everything, I also like to be a little bit away from everything and have some privacy, some land, and Westmead offers that right near the interstate, short drive to downtown. You can make it there in about 14 minutes every morning if you're going to work. You and like the big yards. I love the big yeah. yards. You get It's one of the few neighborhoods left in Nashville you know, that Creve Hall, I think, mm -hmm. are some of the only houses you can get now that have about an acre of property. Yeah. You got, I mean, it's gorgeous riding through Westmead. Yeah. You know, some of the homes they're building out there are ridiculous and crazy, and but they're beautiful. And you've got the mature trees, and it's a, a well-matured neighborhood. You yeah. Know, it looks like a, a really strong neighborhood. Yeah. Um, Number one. Here we go. Number one. Wedgwood Houston. Wow. Wedgwood. All right. Wedgwood. I've lived there before. I love it. I just, there's something about that neighborhood that I love. I, I think the demographics great there. I think you've got some good restaurants, um, a couple of cool little bars right there. You got a great gym coming to the neighborhood. It's close to everything. And I love, uh, if you don't live in Nashville, you may not understand this, but it's on the east side of 65 and Wedgwood. Right. Which means you don't have to fight the traffic at Wedgwood and 8th. And um, it's easy access. Whether you want to go north or south, you can be downtown in a couple minutes, um, close to grocery stores. Best pizza joint in town, Dicey's. Dicey's is awesome. Yeah. You can go to E-Rose and get you a BC Bowl. If you want to be a Soho member, Soho, got House, Soho is right House right there. right there. Um, there's a lot going on. I wish they would fix the on-street parking issue. Right. Um, that can get a little frustrating, but uh, I think uh, I think that neighborhood is going to see a lot of growth in the next um, probably three to five years. I already know when I lived there in 2017 or 18, I guess it was, and was renting, um, and the guy offered to sell me the house for 425 and I said no. Yeah. Um, because I was an uneducated first time home buyer, <laughs> I should have reached out to somebody who knew what they were doing. Um, but, uh, two years ago, that same house sold for seven seventy five. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. So I missed out. Yeah. <laughs> and now it cost me eight fifty to get that yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. All right. My number one, I am going with just next to Westmead. I'm going Bellmead. Bellmead. And now a million dollars might not go very far. <laughs> yeah, Bell what Mead. house are you renting for? Yeah. But Bellmead is very similar to Westmead. They're obviously right next to one another. Historic Bellmead is what they call it. And those neighborhoods are just gorgeous. Oh, it's incredible. Gorgeous. I mean, there's nothing. You got to do it. You got to turn on Bellamy Boulevard. During ride Christmas down time. It. Yes. During Christmas time, see the country club on your right. You're looking straight at the steps of Percy Priest. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It All is. older homes, beautiful lots. Huge mansions. I yeah. Mean, yeah. The mature trees. Um, that's a nice place to live. Yeah. Maybe one day. If I'll you had to pick to one neighborhood outside of, of the urban core, outside of Nashville, suburban Ariel, what would you pick? Hendersonville, Old Hickory. That'd be a top one for me. Old Hickory's yeah. got the water. Mm -hmm. um, I had a house out there and uh, nice golf courses out there. Yeah. So it's a short drive. It's also developing more. Yeah, I'd say probably Old Hickory. Yeah, that's a good area. That'd be that'd be right up there for me. I may would go Brentwood. It's a little bit more. You're, you're a Brentwood guy. Yeah, I, I lived down there for a little bit, and uh, great school system. Um, you're getting a lot of new construction out there that's kind of uh, giving it a little bit more. Uh, it, it got a little old down there for me. Yeah. You know, Brentwood blew up in the 90s, or a little bit before that. Um, but Bellevue, if you wanted an area that was going to see some cool. growth, I think uh, I think Bellevue people yeah. might look at too. 
If I went to Brentwood, I'd only want to be in the governor's in the governor's club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's his. Uh, yeah, you insane like these fancy I neighborhoods. Know, super fancy. <laughs> the, they have a golf course, private neighborhood. That's where all those big shots in Nashville live. I think. Yeah, the governor's club. Well, if we're gonna do that, I'm headed down to Troubadour. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. Um, if you guys have any real estate questions, feel free to ask us. Check out our Instagram page, BG Home Team. You'll get Caleb's information there, my information. Love to help you out with anything, whether you're looking to buy, invest, sell here in the Nashville area. Let us know. Caleb Gainland, thank you for joining us on In the Booth. Thank you. Team on three.